One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and today is yet another edition of Cosmic Queries. And I think this one is titled Galactic Gumbo. Is that right? Oh, co-host Chuck Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Gla- Galactic I lo- Gumbo. I love that. Gotta love that. Guarantee. Guarantee. Don't say my cone. Put in there. And then I put in there the, the cayenne pepper. <laughs> you put cayenne pepper that a little dark matter. Little dark matter. <laughs> little dark matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little dark matter. Little cayenne pepper. A little, little black hole. Little sprinkle black, black hole. And then I put in the, the, the little bit of quasar. <laughs> little bit of quasar. Mm. Galactic so, gumbo. So, if, <laughs> so if, if you were white and weighed 300 pounds more and were dead, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be a split. I'd be splitting, spitting image of Paul Perdome. Paul Perdome. Right? Spitting image of Paul Perdome. Guarantee. Chuck, great to have you. Love you Love you on, on Cosmic Queries. Of course. So let, let, let's do this galactic... Uh, galactic gumbo. gumbo. Yeah, and of yeah. course, you know, we always... Uh, <sighs> glean our queries from all across the internet, no matter where we are found and in what incarnation. Nice. And we always start with a Patreon patron because they support us financially and very much like your elected officials, we too can be bought. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> 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 so yeah, so just to be just to, to clarify, just to clarify. <laughs> so so uh, we experiment on this show yes. in ways that would not otherwise be possible from just pure ad revenue. Yeah, because there are things that would be risky. There are, there are ideas we have that sponsors don't, they don't believe that it'll work. Right. We we also do a few humanitarian things, and so yes. so that that sort of front money that we get front from money. the Patreon folk, Patreon folks, and and yeah, we have yeah. a new a uh, new outlet called. Uh, Star Talk All Access for those of you out. So you can find that at StarTalkAllAccess.com, which is another revenue stream. And uh, all these things yeah. help us grow the Star Talk universe. Trying to bring the universe down to Earth. There you go, baby. Right. So our Patreon patron is um, Elaine Griffith, mm-hmm. who says that. Uh, we know where she's from. I, she's I like from Oakland, California. Oakland, she California. She says, Hi, Neil. This is Kendra from. Oakland, that's where, that's where uh, Batman is from. Apparently, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Superman versus Batman, like Gotham City and and what's the other one? Um, uh, Metropolis are across the bay from one another. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. it's Oakland and San Fran, <laughs> right? So Wayne well, it makes sense because Wayne Industries, of course, like huge company, maybe a tech company, maybe a tech company. Yeah. You know so I mean? it was just just thought I'd tell you that. Hey, right. That's very cool. So uh, Kendra from Cali, as in Oakland, California. Elaine Griffith is my gnomed plume. First of all, I dare one of you to sing this out loud to the tune of Sexy Back which is we're bringing Quirky back uh, uh, without him Adams don't know how to act uh, uh, we got some hadrons gonna make him smack uh, uh, we found a boson now then who's the man uh, uh, touch to the nine now okay <laughs> So there you go. Wait, so that was some Hadron Smack. Yes. Hadron Smack is what she said. So, hey, guess what, Elaine? I did it for you. All yes, right? uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't have pulled that one off. So there I'm you glad, go. glad we got our boy in so, studio for that. And then here's what she wants to know from you, Neil. Okay. Uh, why didn't all the matter and antimatter created by the Big Bang cancel each other out, leaving nothing but energy? Ooh. Wow. Ooh. 
that. Ooh. Yeah, we take a lot for granted just living in this universe. Right. But it turns out that for every bit of matter in this universe, mm -hmm. okay, there are, when, when all the matter was created, it left over photons. Right. Okay, so let, let, me, let me say that a different way. You, at the beginning of the universe, there was this hot cauldron of matter and energy moving back and forth between one another. Mm -hmm. According to E equals MC squared. E right. for energy. M. For mass. Yeah, mass. Okay, and so that equation allows you, under the right conditions, to freely transform one into the other. Nice. So, just to tell you how this works, if you take energy and convert it into matter, mm -hmm. you don't just get regular matter, you get equal amounts of matter and antimatter. Right. Unlike your data plan with your phone carrier, <laughs> your minutes in your data plan do not transfer back and forth oh, equally. <laughs> <laughs> that was as an obscure yeah. reference to the universe as I have ever heard. <laughs> right. Can you hear me now, universe? Can you hear me now? All right. I'm going to stop. Go uh, ahead. So, so, so the way that equation works, you take a pulse of energy, convert it into matter, you get antimatter and matter in equal amounts, equal right. and identical opposite amounts. Then... The matter and antimatter hang out for brief moments of time, and they recombine and make pure energy again. Mm -hmm. So this, this back and forth requires equal amounts of matter and antimatter. So as the universe cools and the energy isn't high enough to make particles out of it, we should be left with an entire universe of just energy. Right. No matter at all. Right. Okay. Because once the energy of the light, the photons, the pulses of energy drops below the energy necessary to make the lightest particle, there's no more particles to make. You're just a low energy photon. Right. That's all you got. That's it. You're not, and you can never aspire to become anything other than a photon. Oh, I feel so bad. Or other, no, no. Or other, it's another, some for, other form of energy. You can right. never go become matter. It's a caste system at this point. <laughs> What a shame. I didn't know you get all emotional about no, this. I could I could have been somebody. <laughs> I could have been somebody. So so here's what happened. In the very early universe, there was an asymmetry mm -hmm. in the matter and energy. For every one hundred thousand particles okay. of antimatter. One, oh, did I say 100,000? I don't mean yes. that. Sorry. For every 100 million, okay. 10 to the eighth, every 100 million particles of antimatter, 100 million and one particles of matter were made. Oh. Uh -oh. Symmetry in the early universe was broken. Ah. By that little bit. Just that tiny. And you, you wouldn't that, even notice right. that little extra one until, like, in a dance, a dance off, your dance partners start. Peeling off. Right. You take off this pair. Right. Everybody thinks they got a pair. Right. And you just keep doing this. Right. Until you're left with one dude just <laughs> breakdancing in the middle of the party. Nobody. Like, oh, where'd that guy come from? That? Right. With nobody to mate with. Right. Okay. And that, that one is left. And so our universe is made of matter and not antimatter and not pure energy because of that one asymmetry. And we know what happened. We have an, a very good idea of when it happened in the early universe. We don't know why. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's just a, one of the mysteries of the, the universe. Mystery of the universe. And and I, that, I hate to sound cheap about this, but but I I, uh, I recorded a video series okay. for the Great Courses Company called the Inexplicable Universe. The Inexplicable Universe. You know how I know that? Wow, because I have it. At home. Oh, yes. You're nice, Chuck. Uh, yeah, and I didn't even give you that no, copy. You did not give it to you me. You bought that thing. That's right, I did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know that's how I do my homework. <laughs> It beats reading. <laughs> Watching the videos. <laughs> I'm like, let me just get Neil and... And you don't want to sound like a complete idiot. Yeah, right, exactly. That's how I do my homework, man. I could, you know, but go ahead. I'm very, I'm, I'm, thanks for telling me that. So in the inexplicable universe, one of the topics is this great asymmetry between matter and antimatter in the universe. Right. And so, so I tell you how we come to learn that that's the case, but I don't tell you why that's the case because... Right, it's inexplicable. Right. We don't know. And that, hence the title, <laughs> hence the Inexplicable title. Yeah, exactly. Universe. Exactly. Right. Uh, as, as opposed to the uh, the next sequel, which will be the Totally Explainable Universe. Yes. But that's what every, that's what all videos are. Exactly. All, yeah, that's, that's every that's, single video. That, that's what uh, wiki pages are right. for. We call that Nova. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, seriously. I'm not even joking. All right. Well, that was awesome. Hey, Thank Elaine, you. what a way to kick off the show because uh, that's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's um, let's go to Gregory from uh, Bar. Wait a minute. Bastrop, Texas? Bastrop, yeah. Bastrop, Texas. Yeah, yeah it's in West Texas. Bastrop. West Texas? It's in West Texas, yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah. Bastrop. I think it's in West Texas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I've been to that town. Really? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Bastrop? Bastrop, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds not like, a big town. Uh, well, look, hey, listen, it's a destination, I, I suppose, for somebody. <laughs> for somebody. I'm not going to hate on Bastrop. I don't know anything about it, right? So, hey, Neil, it's it Greg. Might be Central Texas. Now that that might be Central? It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, Neil, it's Greg from Bastrop, Texas. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this for a while, and it's actually a part of a book that I'm writing. Nice. Okay. So, uh, you know when a glass breaks because its sound hits a specific frequency. Okay, so it's that, that Ella Fitzgerald Last, old yeah. time commercial. How old are you, dude? Uh, okay, old so. enough to remember that. I don't know who the who the product was, but I just remember they would put a speaker next to a glass and it'd be like, we're going to see if Ella Fitzgerald can break this glass. And the only reason I remember is because Ella Fitzgerald was a friend of my grandmother's. Oh, so, okay. All right. She'd be like, ah, and then the glass would start to vibrate and shatter. So what happens is you can break glass with a frequency of sound that goes through it. Or you can just smash the glass. Okay, just to be clear, <laughs> that would not be the only way to break a glass. Right. But the way the question was posed is, this is how you break glass. Right. No, no, you can just step on it. Okay? Right, you can just break it. Right. Break it. So what happened in any Jewish wedding? They right. break exactly, the... just step on it and mazel, and now now your life is ruined. Right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, he says this, what if the strings and string theory uh, making up the universe are vibrating at a specific frequency, and that frequency is what determines the laws of physics in the universe. Maybe each universe making up the multiverse has its own unique frequency, and that could be the key to traveling to another universe. He has made many assumptions in this. It's good. I love it. I, it's, I like it. It's, it's good. Really cool. Now, let me first preface this by saying I don't claim uh, string theory as my center center expertise. Okay. So, so I'll go as far as I can in responding to that question. All right. First of all, the vibrations of the strings mm-hmm. in string theory, okay. they are what is the manifestation of the universe we know. Okay. You vibrate them one way, you get an electron. Right. You vibrate them another way, you get a particular species of quark. Okay. You vibrate them another way, you get a... So all of these vibrations come together in this symphony we call our universe. Nice. What I do not know is whether the vibrations of the strings are also implicated in the laws of physics themselves. Okay. I just don't know. Right. We had to bring somebody in for that. Yes. But if they are, I think it's a brilliant premise. I, he said he's writing a book. I assume yes. it's a science fiction book. Uh, it would have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, no, disres- no disrespect to Greg, but no, it's it a great. Have to be a I, I think it's a great and fertile idea right. that what you might do is you be into some, you go into some vibration room, right. let's say, okay? Right. And it would have control over the vibrations of your strings right. in such a way that you would create an, a different symphony of vibrations that are the vibrations of another universe. Nice. And because in the multiverse, other universe have slightly different laws of physics. We expect that to happen. Quantum physics uh, uh, clues us into how and why that should be the case. Right. So if you needed a way to sort of get somewhere, maybe, yeah, give yourself a new vibration. A oh, good, a good, a good vibra- vibration. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> 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 I was about to say, good, All right. Uh, yo, that's great. Hey, uh, Greg, great, great. Are you mixing two songs there? Um, no. Are you were mixing. Good, good vibrations. Oh, so that's Rolling Stones. No, no, no. No, that was, Marky that was Mark. Beach Boys. Oh, Beach Boys. Oh, Mark, oh you're Scott. talking to Marky. Come on, come on. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Feel the vibration. Oh, yeah. Come on, come on. Good yeah, vibration. Isn't, that, isn't that called good vibration? vibration? Yes, you're right. It is. Right. I totally forgot about that. That's song. what I'm saying. Oh, uh, yeah. Were those other songs called good vibrations? Or uh, I think the Beach Boys was good vibrations as well. Good, yeah. good, 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 good vibrations. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure. More than one song in the universe. Yeah, there you go. Look good at vibrations. Ah, so, hey. so it'd be cool if you just, so your transporter room would be a place where they, they differently vibrated. You the strings in different the ways. The strings in different ways. Wow. Yeah, so take it and run with it. Yeah, go ahead, man. Invite us to the premiere of the movie. Yeah, good luck with the book. And right, right. yeah, we want to be at the premiere of the movie. Yeah. 
That was super cool. All right, let's uh, move on to Dawn the Dave. Dawn of the Dave from Instagram hmm? uh, just gives us that. He doesn't give us where he's from or anything like that. It's from Instagram. It's from Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, By the way, every Instagram post should have a photo, right? Was there a photo yes, attached to this? There, there, I'm sure there was, but yeah. we probably just took the text. The text, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dawn of the Dave says... Uh, if scientists, and I'm going to change this to if you, I'm going to personalize this, mm-hmm. had access to 100% of the world's computing power, mm-hmm. what would you like to focus on? So mm. every every possible um, data bit okay, so let's is go. going to be pointed at this one exactly. thing. So what let's, would you like it to be? Let's, uh, let's go back to Archimedes. Okay who said, upon understanding how levers work, mm-hmm. give me a place to stand, and I can... Um, watch from there. <laughs> I don't know Archimedes. Um, uh, you don't know this famous quote. I don't know his famous, famous quote. quote. Give me a place we to stand. stand. And I can watch TV. No, no, watch, because <laughs> I like to watch. <laughs> give me a place to stand, and I can move the world. Ooh. I like that. Yeah, that's that's perhaps his most famous quote. I did not know that. Yeah. So and, give me a place to stand. Okay. And I could move the world. Right. And so, so okay. And in the era of classical physics, it was imagined that if you knew there were classical physics, nineteenth century classical physics. Okay. Uh, uh, if you knew the position and momentum mm-hmm. of every particle in the universe in this moment. Mm-hmm. You will know all future history of the universe that follows. Wow. Okay. Now I got to okay. tell you, you lost me on that because okay. just by knowing every position of every particle in the universe. Oh, because then you would know the movement of every exactly. particle from that point. From that point. And from that point, so you would be able to. Okay. Never okay. mind. I'm getting excited because uh, you can see the light bulb just went off. Okay. This is what happens when I just had a mental orgasm. Yes, like I did. Right. It was great. It was like Oprah climbed inside my head. and was just like, you get it now. So go ahead. All right. So, so because if you know that moment, then you'll know the next moment, right. and then the, all the particles interact with one another. Exactly, and you get the next moment. Right. So then there's nothing unknown for right. the future of the universe. Right. So, so every, in, sing, every single moment from that point forward is knowable then be known. because you know exactly. Well, gotcha. Correct. Go in ahead. principle, this is what was proposed, and this is not any different from let's say you have a, a pool table, mm-hmm. and the balls are all in motion in a given instant. Right. And then you can say, I will now predict for the future what balls will go in, what Absolutely. pocket, and what not. Right. And that, then it, because at that point, if all the balls are in motion, it's a, it's a matter of simple geometry. Correct. It, well, well, physics. Yeah, yeah. Physics. Both. 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 Right. Right. And, right. And so the interesting thing about that is you... Each ball affects another ball. In Absolutely. that case, not gravitationally, but I hit you. You could hit two other balls Absolutely. before you go in. Right. And so that's that was the idea. Right. Right. So and then, and then you're then you're taking into account transfer of energy, momentum, right. all these things, but you know them all, so it doesn't make a difference. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So right. I, what I would do is try to compute the f- you load up the position and momentum of every particle in the universe wow. into this supercomputer, right. and then be able to predict all future movement of everything in the universe. Wow. Here's the problem that we learned in the 1920s. Okay. There's this little thing called quantum physics. Right. Where the universe in the quantum is not deterministic. Right. It is probabilistic. Right. So it doesn't respond the way it would in the physical universe. In the, in the, in the what, deterministic universe. Right. So it, it puts a random element to it that prevents you from knowing with certainty what tomorrow will be just for knowing about today. Right. Yeah. Because even though the known is known, the unknown is always unknown. Unknown. In the quantum. And, and, and in the quantum. Ooh, gotcha. very nice. And so, but nonetheless, I would go through that exercise. Right. And resurrect this old notion that, so, so that would be the universe without quantum physics. Sweet. Yeah. So, so if I were to program a universe in my computer, right. that's the one I would program. And I would just nice. check it out. The quantum free universe for which I know all of future history. Chuck, wow. We got to take a break. Yes. Uh, this is Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition. Galactic Gumbo. That's right there on TV. <laughs> All right. We'll see you in a moment. <laughs> 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. We're back. Star Talk. Cosmic Queries Edition. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, Chuck Nice. Hey, Neil. Chuck, are you tweeting Chuck Nice Comic? At Chuck Nice Comic. Thank All you, right. sir. That is correct. Dude, I like it. Anytime something happens in the world, mm-hmm. I go to your Twitter stream and you're on top of it in some way or another. Some, yeah, I like to. Either politics or somebody yeah. says something stupid. I like, I like getting a little little dig in there now. You're digging in. I like to dig in there just a little bit. Oh, yeah, so I follow you. Just yeah, I follow you too. Well, and, of course. and I don't follow many people, just so I, you know. I, I know. I know. And I find out, I always know when you talk about me ever on Twitter because my Twitter goes crazy. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the hell? What's going on? Oh, you're like, you you mentioned, you said something like, uh, Chuck's learning astrophysics every day. I might just turn the reins over to him. And I'm just like, no! <laughs> please don't say that! <laughs> I did say that. I forgot you said that on Twitter. I'm like, please! Do not say that! <laughs> so, All right, so what do you yes, have? Cosmic queries. Let's jump back into it. We got a, uh, got a bunch gumbo. of gal- galactic gumbo. Give me a dose of uh, dark matter in there. That's right, little donut, dark matter on that. That's right, that's right, a little etouffee of the universe. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is Melissa Wolf. From right. Facebook. Facebook. And uh, she is uh, writing on her Facebook account from Chino Valley, Arizona. All right. Uh, Melissa says this. I'm very By curious. Way, Arizona has two of the most famous holes in the, in the world. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure where this is going. No, no, no. It's got the Grand Canyon. Okay, that's that's the hole in the ground. I look at that more of a ditch than as a hole, but okay, yeah. okay, fine, fine. Like uh, and and it's got the uh, meteor crater. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, also known as Barringer Crater. And is that the crater, the mass extinction level event crater? Is that is that that one, or is that that's just what you would say if you were where that hit? <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> it's a crater. It would like whatever you would do in there, you you would gone. Yeah, you right? uh, It's a mile, almost a mile wide, oh, wow. and it can sink a sixty-story building from its bottom to the top. Wow! So it's the best preserved crater in the world. All right. So now here's what I'm going to ask you, and now we have. Melissa, I know we're going to get to your question, Melissa. Since I heard she's from Arizona, I got to put Arizona on the map. Now that you brought up this crater, it's a mile wide, which, I mean, that's... Truly a mile wide. Truly a mile wide. I mean, so the impact 
in just phenomenal, incredible. We know. Uh, however, now I got to ask you this. By the way, it's just, well, just to be clear, it was not the one that took out the dinosaurs. Right. I'm this just was saying. Like, this, this was is small what, potatoes. Right. right. This is right. That, Compared to that. That was the size of Manhattan or something. No, no. Size of Mount Everest. Size yeah. of Mount Everest. That's yeah. what it is. So, mm-hmm. God. Yeah. That is mind boggling. Yeah. But le- so that crater, this this meteor hit ground, right? Yes. Okay. Now, here's what I want to know. Yeah. All right. What if it hit the ocean instead of the ground, Mm -hmm. that same impact? Okay. So, it turns out if an asteroid is big enough, it don't matter ground or it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, so in the following way. Suppose an asteroid is 10 miles across. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is, some are, that is larger than... The depths of the oceans. True. So it'll right. just it'll just sp- spread it's the like, water. Yeah. Ac- it's like dropping a brick into a puddle. Into a puddle, exactly. It's like dropping a brick in a puddle. Exactly. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make it. You're going to hit the ground, right. and you and yes, you'll create great tsunamis. Yes, yeah. that won't be your biggest problem. Problem, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> the tsunami will actually be refreshing compared to the aftermath that follows. Exactly. I got and you. The climate change and all right. that would unfollow. Okay. Uh, unfold. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, um, but yet, yeah, but it is true. Uh, on the ground, it would make a, if a small enough one. Right. Uh, that one uh, was the size of the sphere at the Rose Center for Earth and Space. Okay, uh, gotcha. You can measure that up and, and figure that out. Wow, and that's tiny compared. It's tiny compared to Mount Everest. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a shooting gallery out there. Oh. So 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 that one, if it hit the ocean, it probably would not have reached the bottom of the ocean. Okay. The ocean was really deep. Right. Like where the Titanic sank is like. Th- Miles deep, right. so, but all that energy would then get deposited into the oceans. Right. Then you get a tsunami right. that would come in very far in inland. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. So Melissa, it, it, it would have taken out the coastal cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> it would have disrupted the track, the, the shipping lanes. <laughs> oh dear, Trog! I do believe we're going to lose our uh, your beachfront uh, beachfront property. <laughs> mm, Trog. Mm. Oh, far, my friend. Do you have any property that isn't beachfront? Oh, this was 50,000 years ago. Exactly. So we, we, we were totally in caves back yeah, then. Right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, fellas, grab your women by the hair and let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> We've lost our beachfront property. Okay, here we Can go. I, again, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to her question we'll in a minute. We'll get to you, Melissa. We're getting to you, Melissa. I got one. Wait, wait. So okay, go ahead. I, have to, I have to boast of something. All right, go ahead. One of my proudest moments writing was I, I wanted to come up with a female caveman name. Right. Because all the names we have are male. Male, right. No, Trog. Trog, Lothar. Lothar. These are, right. these are guy names, right. okay? Exactly. Can you think of a female caveman name? That's what I'm saying. It's Wilma? My, Wilma? Wilma. <laughs> does, Betty, does Betty, Betty count? <laughs> Betty? Betty and Wilma. Know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's cheating. Right, I think. I'm cheating. <laughs> so, so here's what happened. Um, the reason why I did this for, for one of my books, uh, a Q&A book, okay. on um, Merlin's Tour of the Universe, someone had asked w- w- when the wheel was invented. And it's, we have an idea of when, mm-hmm. very early, but we don't know who. Right. So I wanted to invent a conversation that would have had between the people who might have invented it. Okay. So uh, I, I want to be all PC about it. So I said it was invented by a man and a woman mm-hmm. at the same time. But they're cave people. So I needed a name okay. for each of them. So I said, what am I going to name them? I, I don't know. So then I remembered the word troglodyte. Right. And I said, and I'd forgotten what it meant. So I went to the dictionary and I looked up troglodyte and it says cave dweller. Right. Said, oh, okay. That's why that word popped into my head. Right. Deep down, I had some memory. But there's the dot that separates the syllables of the word in a dictionary. Okay. Trog. Lodite. 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 Oh. Yo, and it, it was. sounds like a, it sounds it, more female, too. So I said it was the Trog couple. I mean, it was the caveman couple, Trog and Lodite. Trog and Lodite. Invented the wheel. Right. There it was. You know Lodite was telling Trog he was doing everything wrong. <laughs> you know it. 
You know, low dice. She's like, Trog, you know this is not how make wheel. <laughs> is that how they spoke? Right, exactly. And Broken Trog, English. Right, exactly. Because isn't that how whenever it does, whenever we don't know what people did, it's got to be broken English. <laughs> English. Broken English. English. Just broken, you know. So, yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then Trog is just like, woman, off my back. So, um... <laughs> Wow, that's pretty cool. Lodite. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, Lodite. Right. I'm very proud of that. I, I, One of my, it's my contribution to literature. Frog and Lodite, the cave, <laughs> the cave dwelling couple. Yeah, yeah. I like it. That you know, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, Melissa, here we go. Uh, Melissa wants to know this. Coming to us from Chino Valley, Arizona. Hey, Neil. Finally I'm, getting to Melissa's question. Finally, finally. Yes. Hey, Neil, I'm curious about your thoughts on somewhat combining creationism with the Big Bang. Although I am agnostic, I was raised Catholic, and I always wonder why no one seems to consider that a possible higher power is behind the Big Bang and consequently dark matter. So do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, from a scientific standpoint, you cannot speak to this because you're speaking about, you know, the fact of a creator or some higher power creating this. Oh, sure you can. If oh, you science, can. Oh, well, so let, let, let me be clear. Okay. This, um, <laughs> if there's a higher power okay. that did anything in the universe, okay. there's no reason why that should be beyond the ability of science to determine that. Oh, okay. All right? Interesting. So, so if you do science properly, you're not precluding any one explanation relative to another okay. if you're on the frontier of discovery. Right. Okay? So I'm not going to say... There is no higher power there, and let me find something else. If the higher power is there and it manifests, the, uh, then my methods and tools find it, the, I'll be the first one to report it. Okay. Okay? Right. I'll be up right there at the front of the, 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 the press conference. Okay? Right. So just to make that clear. The, the uh, and let's back up. This is a deep question here. It is. Got more going on than she may even know. Okay. Okay? After Einstein advanced the general theory of relativity in 1916. Right. It was, oh my gosh, the uh, the universe, there's gravity and it shapes the universe in this way. And then in 1929, Hubble discovers that the universe is expanding. Right. You take general relativity and the data that the universe is expanding and a clever physicist named George Lemaitre, okay. he was a Belgian physicist, looked at that and he said, wait a minute. If we're expanding and I have this new tool, theoretical tool to understand the whole universe, let's go back in time and ask, what would the universe have been yesterday compared with today? Right. It would have been smaller. Right. Let's go even smaller. Even smaller. Take it all the way back. So we go all the way back. We got to get down to a singular point. A singular point. Right. A beginning of things. Right. This person is a Belgian priest. Oh. An ordained priest. Mm, he must have drank some good beer. <laughs> <laughs> Belgian beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know that there's beer in the church. I think it's all wine. Okay, <laughs> it's the it's it's the body and blood of Jesus, not the body and beer of Jesus. Mm. The, well, the ritual. <laughs> That's right. It was the body and beer of Jesus? I'd have been hanging out. Here's to you, Padre. <laughs> but so, go ahead. So so people immediately said, "Oh my gosh, you have found proof of a biblical creation." Oh, really? They said this to him. And he, a Belgian priest, came all back in their face and said, no. What? Because the Bible says the universe was created in six days. The Bible says Earth was created before the sun. There's a lot going on in Genesis that is scientifically untenable. Right. But now you want to take just a little bit that said God created it and say, oh, therefore it proves the Bible when nothing else that follows it has any anchoring in observational science. Right. He was... He was, he was um, smart enough to know that this, when I say smart enough, he was sensible enough to know that this should not be invoked as evidence for God creating Genesis as described in, in, in the Jewish Bible, in, right. the, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament. So, because um, nothing else works there. Right. Okay. okay. Nothing. Nothing. Right. Okay, Earth is in the middle of things. Everything revolves around the Earth. Earth is flat. The, the the so so this goes on and on and on. So he knew enough about the Bible and about science to not make that connection. Gotcha. Okay. So now, so so by the way, higher power could be God or it could be some intelligent alien 
in its basement programming our universe for its own entertainment. That would be a higher power. Wow. If you think about it. Yes, that would be a higher power. Yes. That guy's really effed up, man. If that's the guy, if that, hey, look, hey, dude, if you're in your basement right now. In your parents' basement. Your parents' basement. The alien version. You, did, you little pimply face alien bitch, you. <laughs> this is effed up what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> then I wonder if we are a simulation right. programmed by a higher power. Um, Maybe they get bored every now and then, and they throw something to just mess with, throw in at something right. in the mix. A little glitch in the matrix. A little glitch in the right. matrix. Right. You know, they throw down uh, a disruptive politician right. or a world war. Right. Or that would explain so much. Right. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Completely explain it. Oh, God. Everything's going along just fine and tranquil, and they say, nope. Yeah. When, you're not entertaining me anymore. Lodite, Lodite, watch this. Look at what I do right here. You know? <laughs> Dog, how many times have I told you to stop screwing with those people? <laughs> um, so, yeah. so, 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 but a broader reference to that question is, right. uh, we don't know what happened before the Big Bang, and we also don't know what dark matter is, nor dark energy. Right. If you, and I've said this before, and listen to my words very carefully. Mm-hmm. If you want, if your understanding of God right. flows through places where science has yet to tread, right? Because these are frontiers, right? Before the Big Bang, mm-hmm. or, if that's your concept of God, right? Then the history of this exercise shows us that God would then be an ever receding pocket of scientific ignorance. Well, of course. I mean, that only makes sense because you're saying all these other things are provable and knowable. And so we know. And these other things at one time in the past they were, were not. mysterious, they were correct. Mysterious. So now that we know these are provable and knowable and why they happen, they are, they, uh, these phenomena are, or phenomena are actually um, explainable, right? Then, like your plural phenomenon. Very good. That, your plural phenomenon. Yes. Phenomena. Very good. Do you like, the, the, do you like that I actually corrected myself yeah, there? Very good. Yes, I'm, I'm, thank I'm you. checking you out here. Uh, it's cool. Uh-huh. So, uh, and then you say, well, but what I don't know here, I just think that this is God doing this. But then our knowledge, our bubble, our knowledge expands. Right. It encompasses that event that event is no longer now attributed to God. That event is also now provable and knowable. Mm-hmm. And then that now cannot be talked so about. Philosophers call this the God of the gaps. What's it called? Philosophers call it the God of the gaps. The God of the gaps. Right. So in other words, so just watch, wherever, just, wherever your understanding fails you, you fill it in with God. Fill it in with God. Okay. And, and by the way, this is a, this is a, this is a long tradition to do so. Okay. Isaac Newton did it. Oh, really? Isaac Newton wrote down his equation of gravity, and it described Earth and the moon, right. and the sun and the Earth, right. and Jupiter and its moons, we would later learn it. So this is all, so, but how do you then describe the whole solar system all happening all at once? Right. Everything tugging on everybody in all directions at all different, and, and he tried to calculate this, right. and the solar system was unstable, and planets would fly apart. Because right. every time you came around the back stretch, Mars would tug on you a little bit. Right. Come around the next time, Mars would tug on you a little more. Before you know it, you're, you're out. You're out. You're out the door. Yeah, we out. Right. Okay. You and the Kuiper belt going, it's cold. Baby. <laughs> That's right. So you God, it's cold. So, <laughs> so he said, well, um, clearly I know my equations work right. with the one-on-one situation. With the whole system, maybe God steps in every now and then just to fix it. And, and corrects things. Yeah, and corrects things. Right. He says this. Right. In his his eighteenth in his seventeenth century lingo, okay. he says just that, okay. and so that's basically God of the gaps. Gotcha. Ptolemy, who put forth the geocentric universe, okay, this is two thousand years ago, has a little bit of God of the gaps in him. He looked up. People still didn't understand the planets going forward and then retrograde, right. going back, and he says, "When I trace at my pleasure the windings to and fro of the heavenly bodies." I no longer touch earth with my feet. I stand in the presence of Zeus himself and take my fill of ambrosia. Wow. Yeah. He, and he yep. did it poetically. Well, that's a God of the that's gaps. A God of the gap. He doesn't understand it. Zeus is, Zeus is his God. He's, he's, he's hanging so with he's him like, right there. That's, that's how I explain this. That's how I got it. That's super cool. See, my God of the gap is 40% off and it's not Labor Day. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> this hoodie is awesome. Okay. We got we to gotta take a quick break. We'll be back 
to Star Talk Cosmic Queries in a moment. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. We're back on Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition, specially topiced Galactic Gumbo. I love me some gumbo. Oh. There's like 20 ingredients in gumbo, something if like that. If it's done right, yeah. uh, I got to tell you, uh, Yvonne Gagne, I, I, I do not say her name in vain, but Yvonne Gagne, a woman who grew up in the French quarters. Oh, yeah? I mean, when you talk about gumbo, uh, you have never had gumbo until you have had Yvonne Yvonne's Gagne's gumbo. gumbo. Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, next time I talk to you, give me the address. I'll, I'll be there. Let me tell you, man. Next time you're in Philly, I'm going to have her make you some. Okay. No, what, what we should do is tell her about the Galactic Gumbo uh, show. Right. And then... Have her rename some of the ingredients to be cosmic ingredients. That'd oh, be a special, special, special. I have to go um, there and eat it, and real galactic. Negotiate it. There it is. And let me tell you, sir, I've never like the gumbo. Never had anything like it. Uh, never. Okay, so I uh, dated Yvonne's daughter for some time. Oh, now the story comes out. Okay, so I'm sure she is very happy that I have moved on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you this much: from okay. that day till this, I've never had gumbo like that in my. I almost married her daughter. Just so I could get to that gumbo. Oh, but yeah. So, so did, when did she stop visiting you in prison? Was, was that, <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, galactic gumbo. Let's get into it. Here right. we go. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Kelly Dean from Facebook, and uh, Kelly says this: Space has been expanding since the big Big Bang. When we see a galaxy five billion light years away, would that galaxy not have been closer five billion years ago and thus taken less light time to reach us in the first place? Signed, the Kelly Paradox. (laughs) Is that her handle? That's her handle, the Kelly Paradox. I like that. I've always loved the word paradox. It's a good word. it's, It's got rhythm. And soul. It almost sounds like what it is. Exactly. That's what's cool about it. Paradox. paradox. That would be onomatopoetic. That would be onomatopoetic. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, paradox. Paradox. <laughs> <laughs> well, we you have to. You say that and just drift off right, drift into up, right. into ignorance. Exactly. Paradox. Paradox. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so so uh, let me recast her question. To mean exactly the same thing, but give it a little more science anchor to it. Okay. We see that galaxy five billion light years away Mm -hmm. where it was when the size of the universe was such that it would take its light five billion years to reach us. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Now that makes sense. Right now. Because it's still expanding. Yes. It has been expanding. It has been expanding since since the five billion years. There you go. Therein is the rub. There's the rub. That's the rub. So over the, so we're about 14 billion years old. So 14 minus five, carry the two. (laughs) (laughs) Nine. (laughs) You always got to carry the two. In any arithmetic, you carry the two. So, so it means the universe has been expanding for nine billion years. Since it emitted the light right. to reach us. Right. So it is much farther away from us now in, to, in this instant than it was at the time it sent us that light. Correct. So when we speak of, so in, I and my colleagues, we're a little bit sloppy. We're precise, but sloppy. Mm-hmm. You ask how big is the universe? I say 13 billion light years across. Right. Okay. Well, right at this moment, it's much larger than that. It's four or five times larger than that. Because it's grown 
since then. then. Okay. Right. All right. Because we're measuring the light that we see at that time. At that time. And so... So you have to put it in the model, figure out how much farther it would have gone, and that gives you the number. So when I just say to you it's 13 billion years, these are observable quantities. They don't come out of a model that you would project into the present for the things that are far away. Right. But the way I like thinking about it is uh, 5 billion light years, that's very far away. Let's get one a little closer, 65 million. That's like really close. It's very 60 close. Fil- compared to the you know, 65 to 5 million, million right. light years away. So that galaxy, if they looked at us, what do they see? So it's 65 million. Wait, we're 4.5 billion. 65. I know. It just. I'm trying. To what was going on on Earth? Oh, they're seeing the. They're seeing. They're seeing us. Um, in our what, what's the name of that age? But they're seeing us getting wiped out. Yes. <laughs> Let me just, just instead of trying to be all sciencey, I, I forget the name of the actual age. But what they're seeing is us getting wiped the, the, out. The wiped like, outicus. Wiped outicus. Right. So what they're, doing is they're looking through their telescope and they're going, "Oh damn! Hey, right. damn! Look what just happened! Look what just happened!" So they're seeing the asteroid hit Earth and right. render seventy percent of the world's species extinct. It's just arriving there now. Right. Okay. And meanwhile, we are 65 million years in the future of that information. Exactly. The larger universe and in, their, in, in that future. So th- it's a fun way to think about it. If you had super duper telescopes, right. see the past of other places. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, look at that, Kelly Dean. Uh, great question, mm-hmm. Kelly. The paradox. The paradox. Paradox. No, no, the paradox. Paradox. Right? Pa- uh, Paradox. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a wine called Paradox. I did not know that. Except they spell it differently. Well. It's uh, it's P-A-I-R. Oh. O-F. O-F. D-U-C-K-S. Paradox. Paradox. (laughs) It's it's like two ducks on the label. It's very good. Paradox. Paradox. It's it's pretty cool. It's a California wine. All right. So uh, here we go. This They're not a sponsor of the show, just to be yes, clear. <laughs> exactly. We're coming for it. We're coming for you, Paradox. All right. Um, this is Tom Hyde from Facebook. Tom says, I've always wondered how the universe expanded faster than the speed of light, mm-hmm. faster than the speed of light, mm-hmm. during the Big Bang, when the universe is full of matter and matter can't move faster than the speed of light. Uh, please explain this to me as if I was four. Because <laughs> I am four. No, <laughs> I put that last part there. No, 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 says, no. Please so this. wait, wait. If if they <laughs> if it was, please explain it to me as if I was four, because I am four. Right. If you're asking that question at age four, then I'm answering to you. I'm I, answering I, you for it's a college. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I four, will not be giving you a baby talk answer. That's right. If you're four years old and ask that, but he right. says, please explain it to me as if I was four. And this is somewhat uh, related to Kelly's last question, just a little bit. When you talk about the expanse in the universe, yeah. and so how if you go er, in in the early universe, you um, the expansion rate was more rapid than it is today. The expansion right. rate for the moment is slowing down, but it's going to speed up again later because of the influence of dark. Energy, mm-hmm. dark, dark energy, yeah. But that's a separate phenomenon going on. So in the early universe, you are absolutely right. We expanded faster than light. Uh, but that does not violate the you can't move faster than light rule. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds paradoxical. It does. <laughs> paradox. 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 So here's what's going on. Uh, the speed of light limit comes about from Einstein's special theory of relativity, mm-hmm. which describes the movement of objects through the fabric of space and time. Exactly. Whereas general relativity describes the stretching of your fabric of space and time, Mm -hmm. not specifically things moving through it. Right. So the early universe, it is the fabric of the universe that's stretching. Itself. Itself. So it's not something traveling through that. So it's the rubber sheet model. Correct. Where you have a, just a sheet. And all the galaxies are embedded in that, and the sheet is expanding. The sheet is moving. But you are not moving information through space faster than speed of light. But if you're expanding the fabric, you can expand an unlimited speed right. relative to the speed of light. Uh, so it really is like uh, like a rubber band. If you if you and I were pulling a rubber band right mm-hmm. now, we could pull it slowly. Mm-hmm. We could pull it as fast as we want. Really fast. It doesn't make a difference. Right. But if we have something sitting on that rubber band. In the rubber band, it's it's stuck in however it's good. The ant moving in the rubber band, it's limited. Exactly. That's right. So cool. And Chuck, we have a bell. Oh. Lightning round. 
Okay. Lightning round. These are where I answer questions That's basically cool. with sound bites. There you go. I always fail, but I'll, well, let's try. Who cares? Okay. It's always fun. See how many we can fit into the last three minutes of the show. All right. Okay, ready, go. go. Matthew Coles from Facebook wants to know this. Big Bang causes outward expansion. Do we know with which direction the origin or center is? Yes. We do. It is in every direction. Okay, next. Ooh, that was great. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So it expands in every direction, right. and we are part of that expansion. So you cannot look back to any direction in space and say that's where the Big Bang happened. Any more than you could be on the surface of an expanding balloon mm -hmm. and point along that surface and say, there's the center of the expansion. Right. Because the center of the expansion is backwards in time right. at a point where the whole balloon was in that one spot wow. in the same place at the same time. Nice. Next. Thomas J. Kastner from Twitter says, why do so many people imagine alien life as little green men? What or who created this strange image of aliens? Oh, yeah, because the little green men with feet and torso and arms and head, because you have to pay an actor to wear that costume. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and before CGI, every animate thing was either stop motion capture or had an actor in it. I, I think if we were not so limited in the early creativity, especially of the B-movie right. sci-fi from the right. 50s, maybe they would have been earlier in the more creative kind of kind of alien. Yeah. But uh, and that's what, that was the, the joy of seeing the movie Alien, uh, uh, where that creature wasn't so right. traditional. It, it wasn't a little green man. It wasn't a little green man, nor was The Blob in the 1958 Steve McQueen right. classic, The Blob. Which, by the way, very inventive. Very inventive. It. very inventive. It was an invertebrate alien. Exactly. <laughs> What was it? It, it was a blob. blob. <laughs> All right, next, go. All right, Pepsi Rules wants to know this. Uh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, Neil? Well, you know, I t when I was a kid, I tried all these things that the... <laughs> I was just geeky enough. I don't, wait, wait. No, no. <laughs> First, how old is this person? Because this is not even an ad anymore. Uh, you know, how many licks does it take to get? So I realized that it completely depended on how wet your tongue was. <laughs> That's because if your tongue were dry, it would take essentially forever. Right. So there is no one answer to that question. And I learned this as, a, as, a, as like a 12-year-old kid. And Tons I said, sugary research. not all questions have unique answers. Some of them have multiple answers and get over that fact. Oh, okay. cool. Yes. Nice. It could be thousands. It could be three. three. <laughs> <laughs> if you like dog slobber on it. <laughs> okay. okay. We, might get, we get two more in this. Yeah, here go. we go. This is Tack Neely who wants to know this. We call the area between planets and solar systems space. So what should we call the area between universes? Ooh. Ooh. Nice question, Tack. Great question. So if empty space is where you find nothing. Mm -hmm. By the way, we would later learn that it's a seething cauldron of what we call virtual particles. We learned this from quantum physics. Right. That's another show. But right. let's, for the moment, call it empty. Right. Where you find nothing. Well, if nothing is where you find the space between things, no thing. Right. Nothing. Do you get that? that that's you got that? That's good. I'm with you. you, no with you. Can you hang? I'm, I'm, hang I'm right okay. with you. Uh, <laughs> where there is no thing, there is nothing. <laughs> okay, fine. But if there's not even nothing, right, then you are in a higher dimensional place, and our vocabulary cannot really accommodate that beyond just saying it is the absence of nothing, where you might then call it nothing, nothing. So the answer attack uh, is Detroit. <laughs> What's your time? <laughs> You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Stay tuned. More up next. Back on Star Talk, Chuck. Hey, Neil. Bringing me the questions. That's right. This is, this is office hours. Office hours. So it means it could come from anywhere. Anywhere, anything. Anything. Let's jump into anywhere and anything. Here's right. a Wolf Prime 06 from Instagram. Okay, have you notice people have been spelling their names phonetically for you, and and I appreciate that. Problem. I'll take I'll take the help wherever I can get it. Okay, <laughs> I am not proud. All right, all right. Wolf Prime 06 Instagram says cloning exact particles and cells might be the only chance we have at teleportation. So, if we thought it was unethical, then would we stop cloning and therefore 
never figure out teleportation. So there's an assumption there Ooh. that cloning Ooh, cells is is the way to teleport. Interesting. Okay, so a couple of things. As far as we know, every atom of a particular kind is identical to every other atom of a particular kind. Mm -hmm. So you don't actually have to move your atoms to another location. Just get the recipe. Right. Right? All right, so grandma's cupcakes, she doesn't... She doesn't make cupcakes for everyone in the universe to have her cup. She makes the recipe. Okay. Writes down the recipe. Now you reproduce her cupcakes. Right. Okay. So if I know exactly how all of the atoms of your body are configured, and I know what those atoms are, in principle, I can reconstruct you. What we don't understand yet well enough is the mind. And what is it about your mind that you would have to reconstruct to have the memories that you have, yeah. the life that you have, that can have your identity? Right. Because, by the way, in society, we do have clones. We already have clones. But when we shouldn't have clones, it'll be ethical. We have clones already. They're called twins. Twins, right. Okay? Twins. Are, are we taking one twin away and harvesting their organs for the other twin? No. We, we, we're, we're pretty sensible about things well that's what i did with my twin <laughs> that's what you were <laughs> saying all right i drink a lot i know this liver ain't gonna did the liver delivered the <laughs> liver and kidneys <laughs> so nice too <laughs> well because it's a clone of yours it means it's drinking too <laughs> <laughs> there you go you useless clone <laughs> so so i don't know that the ethics of cloning will ultimately become all that people fear it to be right I just don't see that based on the knowledge of already having clones today. There's a danger that if you start cloning pre-existing life, then you will lose the biodiversity that assures the survival of the species. Wow. Okay. So that's a great episode of Star Trek, by the way, where they go to a planet and the whole planet is made of clones. What happens, though, is uh, through the replication, they start to see a degradation over a long period of time. Mm. And so this degradation- They're not perfect clones. They're not perfect clones anymore. And they're like, oh my God, we're now having clones that w are not what they should be. Mm. As a result, we have to reintroduce good old-fashioned horizontal mambo to get some dot biodiversity. Oh. And that becomes like the whole issue of- Horizontal mambo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the people- uh, That's a thing. Yeah, that's Even a- Even in Star Trek? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's I might- an ancient uh, earth term for, <laughs> for procreation. <laughs> horizontal mambo. Dang, dang, dang. Uh, but uh, the people are um, repulsed by the idea of well, because the cloning is so pure and exactly. so high yeah. high level right interesting yeah, I missed that episode that's yeah, a pretty cool thing it's not from the original Star Trek no Star I believe Trek. this is a uh, during I think this is one of the next generation episodes. next gen yeah, yeah it's a next gen episode yeah so there's the ethics there's whether it'll happen and I think ideally you would just know exactly who, what the recipe is for an individual created in another place here's the thing you got to remember. Twins are identical to one another, but they have different consciousness. Right. So one twin is not thinking it is the other, even though all the molecules are identical. So, except they have different fingerprints because that happened later in the womb. Okay. But, uh, so that's an interesting fact. Twins are identical except for except their, fingerprints. their fingerprints. Right. So that, we're talking about identical twins, of course, not, yeah, not, fraternal, not fraternal, where it's or sororal. Twins. Sororal. Yeah. Wow. Like that one from Bill Nye. Okay. The 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 two the two ladies in the womb. Exactly. Or sororal twins. So we don't understand why I wake up as me and you wake up as you every day. Right. We just don't understand that. Oh, right. And if we did, maybe we'd be able to clone that. But then you'd have two of you and you'd have a simultaneous shared conscious. That'd be kind of interesting. That would do that. Yeah. I don't think we need two of me with a simultaneous share of consciousness. <laughs> that is for sure. That's very cool then. All right. Let's move on to- uh, and Two of me. One of me would be like in the lab. The other would be doing the dishes. And the other would be seeing the movie I've been missing. And you merge the conscious overnight. Wouldn't and that be then, cool if you go- when And you then go to all sleep, of you would- go, You go to sleep and you all share your experiences. experiences. Yeah, it's a syncing program uh, that synchronizes up the consciousnesses. Now that I could cool. deal with, that'd be kind of cool, cool yeah, because yeah. then you could experience so much more in there was life. A movie, there was a science fiction movie where people shared dreams, and I forgot which one that was. I, I forgot the name. I'm, not the uh, 
Not Inception. No, that was where you went into the dream. Yeah, it went into deeper and deeper, deeper into deeper. somebody else's. Right, and dream. that became the reality. It was okay. one where it might have been an episode of a TV series, but we'll get our crack team of researchers to to dig it up. There you All go. Right. All right, here's uh, Lamis Pisu. I think that cannot possibly be. <laughs> I think it's Lamis Pisu. Lamis Pisoup. Okay. Uh, not Pisu. <laughs> um, from Instagram says this. Very, very succinct question. Where is all the antimatter? Wow, what a... That's... Hey. I wish I knew. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Actually, there's a, a friend and colleague of mine, J. Richard Gott III, okay. who wrote a research paper in the 1970s mm -hmm. hypothesizing where all the antimatter went. Interesting. Yeah. I did not read that paper. So, so. You, read, you missed that? I, I missed that paper, <laughs> oddly enough. Oh, oh, oh my what, God. Uh, and what was his uh, so hypothesis? He suggested that at the point that we had this asymmetry between matter and antimatter in our early universe, mm -hmm. that there was a, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing some of what he said because the details are a little fuzzy because it was 40 years ago. But at some point, all of the antimatter funneled out of this universe and created another universe with an antimatter-matter imbalance that's the inverse of our matter-antimatter imbalance. It's, oh, man. It's beautiful. Right. It's a really it's beautiful very thing. very elegant. It's elegant. It's, he thinks up elegant things, whether or not they're true. Right. They're elegant. Yeah. And, and the universe just... <laughs> There's a great comment. I think it was by... Was it Aldous Huxley? Uh, or one of the physicists. It was... Uh, the great tragedy of science, a beautiful theory slain by an ugly fact. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So it's a uh, elegant concept that there's that there's still balance in the metaverse, right? And because this imbalance is kind of dis it's disturbing. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the greater scheme of things. So, but there's no evidence for this other universe. So okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jay Lawrence 74 from Instagram says this. I believe in an earlier episode, Neil said that the shape of the universe is a saddle shape. Is that right? If not, please, what shape is it? I can't imagine it not being a sphere. Yeah, so we're flat. Uh, if I said saddle, uh, so there are different shapes it can be. Okay. It can still be consistent with Einstein's equations and so one of them is sort of spherical another is sort of flat and and one is saddle shaped so one is positively curved one is zero curvature one is negative curvature and so uh if you add up the dark energy and the dark matter and the matter and the energy add it all up the universe is flat wow yeah so there you have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. So if one of them had had a greater value than the other, then we would have one of these other shapes. And what's the difference? In a spherical universe, parallel lines always meet. Hmm. In a flat universe, which is, we learned about flatness in geometry class, parallel lines, you know, they, they well, they meet at infinity, I think right. was the phrase, but basically they never meet. They never meet, right. And... Uh, and in a negatively curved universe, parallel lines diverge. Right. So these are three completely legitimate uh, 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 geometries. And so Euclid was a flat universe. And the others that are not Euclid, you know what we call that? No. Non-Euclidean geometry. <laughs> <laughs> I hate calling something in reference to what it's not. Yeah. That's a little disappointing. It's, uh, right. It's you know what I mean? I wanted Freddy's universes, who uh, Freddy came up with it. Right. right. No, but um, I don't like unretouched. Unretouched. Yeah. That meant you didn't do anything to it. Right, I don't, exactly. You shouldn't have it's to have just, a word. shouldn't have a word. Yeah. It's, it's just what it is. Nonfiction. I want to invent a new one called faction. I like. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna send out a tweet. Faction. I write nonfiction, right. but I don't want my stuff referencing what isn't somebody. What somebody else did. Right. So, no, yeah. I ain't doing that. I don't play that. Sweet. Okay. Uh, I think we have, have time for, for one, one more. more? Question. Okay, one more. And here's a. Uh, this is a uh, SEBSP at Instagram says this. Could the gas giants still be forming planets, or a planet in 
information, I think, is oh, what they mean. I think you're right. Because uh, otherwise, it doesn't make any sense, because Jupiter is a gas giant. It's a gas giant, so, and it's not a star. So it, Right. So I guess they mean a planet in formation. So Jupiter radiates more energy than it receives from the sun. Oh. So you want to call it a star under those... It gives off more energy than it receives from, from right. the universe. Yeah. And, uh, so, but generally, we define stars as having a source of uh, thermonuclear fusion in their core. Okay. You can emit energy if you're slowly collapsing. Mm -hmm. That you get hotter if you do that. If you're just slowly collapsing, and or if heavier things are dropping to the center as lighter things rise to the surface. These phenomena, it turns out, will heat. Will you will heat from this? Right. It turns out, but. Gas clouds that make gaseous planets, you know out of the starting box whether they're going to be stars. This is not something that happened. Gee, I was... Uh, I, <laughs> That's it, right. I want to be a boy one day. <laughs> I don't need my strings attached. Right. No, the, the mass is either going to take you there or it is not. Gotcha. And there is the Netherland, which is the what we call brown dwarfs, which are transitional... We say transitional, but we don't mean it in the way you might think. Mm -hmm. You have massive planets like Jupiter, you have low mass stars, and you have this thing in the middle that we call brown dwarfs. Right. They're not transitional in that they're not evolving from one to another. Right. They just occupy this middle zone gotcha. between what a planet is and what a star is. And they're failed stars. Stars. We're super, they're overachieving planets, failed stars, whatever you want to call them. But we have a term for them they're called brown dwarfs. Brown dwarfs. Yeah. Sweet. All right. You got it, Chuck. Thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure. Always there. I'm, hey, listen. You're always there for me. Where else do I have to be? <laughs> well, you don't got gigs? <laughs> I just do them on the side. On the side. Okay. We are your main squeeze. Yeah, okay. that's it. You know what I mean? I got my little side pieces. All right. All right. You know what I mean? But every time they come calling, I'm like, now you know who my woman is. <laughs> <laughs> a woman is star talk uh this has been star talk you've been listening or watching uh, uh cosmic queries office hours edition and as always i bid you to keep looking up one two three four those are numbers but you already knew that if you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.